Hello, my name is Sarah Graham, and you're listening to Strike, a history podcast. We are impoverished. All the supplies for us that are from the treasury, the granary, and the storehouse have been allowed to be exhausted. The stone is not light. One and a half hundred weight of grain has been taken from us. We are dying. We do not live at all. Scribe Neferhotep, circa 1174 BCE. It may seem unusual to begin a podcast about the history of strikes in the late Bronze Age. Strike actions are usually understood to have emerged as a political phenomenon with the advent of the Industrial Revolution and the concomitant emergence of a distinguishable working class. While it is true that New Kingdom social structures and labor practices were profoundly different than those we experience today, the particularities of the first recorded strike may help us draw the boundaries of what we mean by the word strike and what elements are required to identify one. The first recorded strike in history took place on November 14th, circa 1170 BCE, in the royal necropolis at Dair al-Medina, during the 29th year of the reign of Pharaoh Ramesses III. It is difficult to know exactly when and how the situation began. A papyrus now in Turin, as well as some broken pottery, provides scattered notations on the series of events. Early in the year, a scribe named Amenacht announced to the village of workmen and artisans in the necropolis the late delivery of rations from the state. On this day, 20 days have elapsed in the month, and rations have not been given to us. Amenacht then walked to the mortuary temple of Horemheb, just north of the temple being built for Ramses III himself. There, he procured 46 bushels of wheat for the workmen, delivered two days later. This is the first record we have of issues with the supply of rations for the workmen of the necropolis. In the fall of the same year, the question of rations would burst into the first labor strike recorded in human history. Scribe Amenat describes the scene. Year 29, second month of the second season, day 10. On this day occurred the crossing of the five walls of the necropolis by the crew, saying, we are hungry. 18 days have elapsed in the month, and they sat down at the back of the temple. Two gangs of artisans working on the tombs laid down their tools and marched together to one of the royal mortuary temples, where they staged what we would now describe as a sit-in demonstration. We are hungry, the workmen proclaimed. Eighteen days have elapsed this month without payment in grain rations. When approached by the two chief artisans and the scribe Amenacht, the workers called them over and said they had grievances to state to the pharaoh. The next day, the workers of the necropolis continued their strike, this time marching to the Ramesseum, the mortuary temple of Ramses II, one of the most celebrated pharaohs in Egyptian history. The chief of police, the Medjay Montmose, told the workers that he would bring the mayor of Thebes to see them. While Montmose appears to have relayed the events in the necropolis to the mayor, the official's response has been lost to us as there is a tear in the papyrus containing the record of events. Regardless of the mayor's attitude toward the situation, the artisans continued their strike into the third day. 
the workmen spent the night at the gate of the Ramesseum in the shadow of enormous statues of Amenhotep. This prompted the temple priests to take statements of the men's grievances the next day. The men said to the priests, It was because of hunger and because of thirst that we came here. There is no clothing, no ointment, no fish, and no vegetables. Send to Pharaoh, our good lord, about it, and send to the vizier, our superior, that we may be provided for. Once these statements had been taken, the rations the workmen were demanding were provided, albeit now six weeks late. The following day, the men gathered at the police headquarters, the fortress of the metropolis, to demand their payment for the current month as well. Police Chief Montmose addressed the workers, telling them that if they remained orderly, he would lead them to the temple and allow them to protest. Look, I will tell you my opinion. Go and gather your tools, seal your doors, bring your wives and your children, and I will lead you to the temple and I will let you settle there. On the eighth day of the strike, the rations were delivered in full. The issues relating to grain distribution were not permanently remedied, however, and the workmen staged multiple strike actions and protests over the coming weeks and months. The next walkout, occurring less than one month after the previous strike, ended in violence. When the scribes and foremen arrived at the temple to bring the men back to the necropolis, an artisan named Mose cried out, By Ammon and by the ruler whose power is greater than death, if they take me up from here today, he shall lie down after having cursed his tomb, and I won't. Because this was blasphemy, Mose was beaten by the elders of the necropolis. The workers walked out again a short time later, passing by the walls to shouts of condemnation from the foremen and the scribes. When the officials arrived at the location of their protest, the workmen had organized themselves and appointed two spokesmen. Scribed Amanacht records the encounter. Thus said Kenena, son of Ruta, and Hay, son of Hoy, We will not return. Tell your superiors. Verily, it was not because we hungered that we passed the walls. We have an important statement to make. Evil is done in this place of the Pharaoh. The workmen then made accusations of corruption against members of the administration of the necropolis, who they held responsible for the problems with the rations. Vizier Toh, second only to the pharaoh himself, heard about the strikes while on tour of the kingdom. He declined to visit the strikers himself and sent the head of the Theban police to deliver a message. It was not because there was nothing to bring you that I did not come. As for you saying, do not give away our ration, do I, the vizier, give in order to take away? If it happened that there was nothing, even in the granaries, I have given you that which I have found. This message was followed by an announcement by one of the city scribes that half of the owed ration would be delivered on the spot, distributed by the scribe himself. A few days later, with their wage of rations still in arrears, the foreman of the workmen's gangs decided to step in. He told the crew to bring their rations down to the harbor so that the visiting officials could see the truth of their claims. As soon as the workmen collected their rations from the scribe, they turned to take them down to the river, but were stopped by scribe Amenacht. He stated, 
I have given you two bushels of wheat this hour. Do not go to the harbor. If you do, I will put you in the wrong in any court to which you may go. In light of this threat, the workers decided not to go to the harbor and return to work. But this state of affairs did not last. Within weeks, the workmen were protesting at the temples yet again. While encamped at the temple of Menepta, the mayor of Thebes passed by and they shouted out, We are hungry! The mayor then intervened, supplying the artisans with 50 bushels of grain, with the caveat that these rations were only meant as a stopgap until Pharaoh's administration managed to reorganize the regular supply. How the mayor would obtain these bushels appeared to be a matter of some consternation. It appears that the grain promised to the workers by the mayor was part of the divine offerings to Ramses II, and there were threats by the workers to lodge a complaint with the high priest of Amman against the mayor, whether for withholding or diverting rations to the temple, or stealing rations from the temple to distribute them is unclear. The papyrus ends here. We do not know how the conflict ended or what happened to the parties involved. We do know that soon after these events, the new kingdom itself fell into a period of decline. So what was happening around the world at the time of the necropolis strikes? The late Bronze Age was a time of transition for societies all around the Mediterranean Sea. For some of these civilizations, this transition was violent, sudden, and led to total collapse. Only a few powerful states, the New Kingdom of Egypt included, survived. A variety of explanations have been explored for the Bronze Age collapse. Traditional histories point to the high number of invasions and wars in the era, as well as the high costs incurred because of them. During the reign of Ramses III, Egypt was constantly at war. Twice during his tenure, in the 5th and the 11th years, Egypt held off invasions from Libya. A confederation of seafaring peoples harried many of the civilizations of the Mediterranean, and Egypt was no exception. The Sea Peoples, as they came to be known in early Egyptology, were defeated in two great battles during the eighth year of Ramses III's reign. More recently, it has been suggested that the eruption of the Icelandic volcano Hekla, later described by a medieval monk as the gateway to hell, caused an 18-year span of global cooling. The volcano erupted with the force of Vesuvius, spewing 7.3 cubic kilometers of ash and rock into the atmosphere, causing the hemisphere to cool. This cooling may have contributed to the grain shortages that led to the strikes. We do know that grain prices skyrocketed under the rule of Ramsey's successors and that this contributed to the ultimate decline and fall of New Kingdom dynasties. It is also possible that the problem that led to the necropolis strike was not a true shortage of grain, but rather the outcome of economic and administrative changes in Egypt itself. Archaeologists estimate that the Temple of Horemheb, where scribe Amenacht first procured rations for the workmen before the strikes, had grain magazines that could hold sufficient resources to last the village 10 years. Many of the temples in the complex had similar storage granaries. So why the sudden inability to pay the workmen on time? One theory suggests that growing corruption by local officials, combined with the declining importance of the city of Thebes, led to poor administration of the grain rations. One small temple lost 90% of its grain revenue to embezzlement by corrupt administrators, a crime which went undetected for 10 years. 
The workmen themselves made accusations that city foremen and scribes were stripping stone from royal tombs for their own gain. Certainly, political corruption was a growing issue throughout the New Kingdom during this era. The tomb builders of the necropolis were skilled and favored artisans. They were not slaves, nor were they indentured servants. They led a life secluded from the outside world. The workmen, with their families and servants of their own, had lived in the Theban necropolis for generations. It is estimated that the workers' village at Dair al-Medina was populated for over four centuries and in the years of Ramses' reign was home to more than 500 individuals. In his book, Ancient Lives, the story of the pharaoh's tomb makers, historian John Romer estimates that there were approximately 60 tomb workers in the necropolis at the time of the strike. Each of these workmen was paid in wheat rations, as we have seen. A workman's monthly ration, called a car, would feed about 16 people. The rations of scribes and foremen, or chiefs, were at least a third larger than that. In light of these numbers, Romer argues that the reduction in the grain ration and the inability of the pharaoh's officials to pay it on time and in full was in fact evidence of a financial squeeze on the tomb workers rather than a real threat to their ability to eat. What lessons does the history of these ancient strikes by the workmen of the necropolis hold for us today? What makes the actions of these workers identifiable as a strike? Through the account of Scribe Amenacht, we are able to see the formation of the workers into an organized group with collective goals, while other accounts of life in Dair al-Medina chronicle individual clashes between workers and administration officials, it is clear that in the case of the disruption of grain rations, the workmen banded together to express their grievances. The appointing of spokesmen to negotiate with officials presages the emergence of organized worker unions in the modern era. It is interesting to note the reactions of the necropolis officials to the strike. The initial sympathy of the Medjay Montmos to the plight of the workers and his endorsement of the strike action points to the possibility of solidarity between working and administrative classes. On the other side of the equation, the identification of scribe Amenacht with the officials rather than with the workers, as well as the confusion as to who was responsible to remedy the situation, the mayor of Thebes, the vizier of Egypt, or local officials, foreshadow some of the difficulties in class formation among workers. The late payment of grain rations impacted the scribes and foremen as much as it did the tomb workers, but they took it upon themselves to attempt to quell the strikes rather than joining them. Finally, it is important to note that the strikes were primarily economic in nature. The workmen were protesting a reduction in their wage by withholding their labor. As we move into the modern era, strike actions will often be defined by the nature of the grievances at hand, both economic and political. Next week, we will explore the occurrence of a strike for political rights, the secessio plebis of ancient Rome. Join me on Tuesday as we jump forward from 1170 BCE to the 5th century BCE and the early days of the Roman Republic. Thank you for listening to Strike a history podcast.